As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. So, an interesting thing happened to me this week. Oh, yeah? What's that? I did not make a million dollars. But do you know what I would do if I had made a million dollars this week? What's that? I would talk to the Norton Group. Isn't that right, Dan? That, yes. I didn't run this good. bit by Dan beforehand, and he looks super confused right now. Um, but if any of you uh, did slip at a Walmart or, I don't know, like bang your head on the way into a McDonald's this week or have a wealthy uncle pass away, um, call the Norton Group. There you guys. Uh, uh, lots to talk about today. Um, uh, from like racing perspective, can I have a can I have a road racing minute at some point? Oh, during you the sure? News? You want you want to take it now? Really quick, yes. Yeah, go for um, it. So in the cycling world, we have the classics, right? Which are like the big one day races. You know, the kind of early season and late season are dominated by the classics. A whole bunch of races that fall under that, right? And the first ones are the big cobble ones where it rains and it's muddy and miserable and the riders hate doing it, but people love watching it because it's so dramatic, right? And then after that, we move on to what we call the Ardennes classics. Which is, the Ardennes is a region of um, Belgium and the Netherlands that's like hilly. You know, you get these kind of like maybe 10 minute max climbs. And there's a whole bunch of, you know, races you might have heard of. The, the big the big ones are uh, Flesh Wallon, uh, Liège Baston, Liège Dens. I've heard Leon, Leon Baston or whatever. <laughs> Leon Baston. That sounds like if I was going to make like a, like a fake cartoon about a French guy or something. <laughs> um, anyway... Uh, the big, big uh, uh, Ardennes classics wrapped up this uh, uh, this weekend with um, uh, Liège this morning, um, and it was a real bummer. I woke up kind of early-ish to watch it, and it was supposed to be the showdown between Pogachar, who's won uh, the first two of the big three, Amstel Gold and uh, Flesh Wallon, and um, uh, coming into this one today, Liège Baston Liège, which is the biggest. It's a it's a monument, right? It's one of the big five races of cycling. Um, it's supposed to be a showdown between him and Remco. Remco's come down off the mountain from his training camp. He's ready to go at Pogachar. This is a race that suits them both really hilly. Um, and so I woke up early. We we're going to see Remco in the rainbow stripes against Pogachar. He's probably going to be the, the era defining cyclist of, of this moment. And uh, before anything uh, exciting happened, uh, Pogachar crashed and broke his wrist. Oh, no. Yeah. So he's, he's okay. Uh, went into surgery, repair it. He'll be off for a few weeks, sitting on the trainer. Not going to majorly disrupt it. Um, and Remco just rode away. Remco, and, and just so you know, like Tom Pidcock, right, who we know in the mountain bike world, current, def, you know, defending mm -hmm. Olympic champion on the mountain, a guy who can take it to Nino Schurter, you know. Um, Remco just like obliterated Tom Pidcock, was his next closest competition, just rode away. Time trialed solo for like 30Ks at the end. Um, so 
couple of interesting takeaways there. Remco is, you know, as good as people say he is, and we still haven't really seen a Remco Pugachar head-to-head. But more importantly, and I'm going to make this your quiz, um, uh, somebody did get the Ardennes three-peat this weekend on lockdown. Uh, Which female cyclist um, won Liège today um, and achieved, I think only one other rider has done it before on the women's side. Winning Amstel Gold, Flesh Wallon, and Liege Best on Liege. I have no idea. Well, it's okay. Um, but the, a name you should know, Demi Vollering. Okay. I, I don't know that name, but I'm glad I'm learning about it. Amazingly fun cyclist to watch. She's crazy because she is like bigger than all of the other riders that you'd kind of expect to win in the Ardennes. You know, she's she is too big to climb by conventional mm-hmm. standards. Um and, and kind of gives me hope as a, as a, you know, somebody who is kind of bigger than most of my competition most of the time, that she has trained herself to be able to climb passively, get to the top of the climb, and then absolutely curb stomp everybody. Um, really, really cool. I, I watched that race as well. If you haven't watched it, you owe it to yourself to go back and, um, uh, and do so. But... Uh, that's the only quiz I've got for you today. Um, no other like mountain bike news other than uh, Sea Otter, I guess. Did you see who won the Sea Otter Fuego XL kind of headline race? I didn't. Uh, do you want to take a wild guess? No. Who? <laughs> M- Mr. Keegan Swenson. Okay. Um, okay. Which is interesting. Beating that was out. Was it a gravel race? No, it's a mountain bike race. Mountain bike race. It's like okay. a long-ish kind of, you know, the big Sea Otter race. Uh, Blevins. Um, oh, is there? It's the Sea Otter cross country race. Right. Yeah, but okay. it's it's like it's like one big loop. Exactly. Yeah. The big one. Uh, Swenson and. Um, um, beating out um, uh, Chris Blevins, oh, okay. which I think is interesting. That's cool. Uh, Finsterwald was second, and then Sophia taking the women's win too. Okay. Um, on that on that new uh, epic, uh, full it is a full suspension, but the same one that we saw Batten use mm-hmm. to great effect at a couple races in Europe, hmm. and then just absolutely walk away the from. Bike everybody. seems to work. The motors on them are pretty good too. But. You know what? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, so hmm. um, you know, six thousand dollars for a frame set, but. There you go. Wow. Anyway, that's all. That's about all the news I've got for you. Because this this topic does interest me. Well, I I wanted to talk to oh, a little okay. bit about um about cactus hugger this weekend and a few other. Oh, yes. you know what? One thing I did want to say. Um, our buddy Brennan Pena, mm-hmm. he's like the coolest kid ever. We we took him to Vale Lake and he's just hilarious, coolest kid. Um, we we congratulated Tate and Isaac for doing for you know for going out and doing the races out in arkansas brennan was out there too and we forgot to mention oh shoot name. yeah norm shot me a message and said we forgot oh brennan, well now i sound so. like a dick because like brennan's like the coolest guy oh, we, brennan, we were, he's we like were so hanging cool. out in california well, i didn't realize he the thing is there. brennan listens to this so okay let's have a little brennan moment like a moment <laughs> of silence for dan and i forgetting to mention that he also rocks and went out to arkansas okay so brennan hope you are still listening brennan i'm sorry i should say like i I kind of feel like I steer a lot of the time on the podcast and I shouldn't because I don't know anything. Um, you know, sometimes I, I kind of feel like, you know, I don't know anything, but I sound better than Dan. So, um, yeah. Sorry about that, Brent. Brennan is like the coolest guy. He's ever, such though. a cool kid. He is everything I wish I was. Like, cool and knows what he's talking about and confident enough to just shut up and go crush it. So, <laughs> so we had, we, we, I just, but we're recording this podcast late because I just got back from doing cactus hugger out in the hurricane had a just glorious weekend. It was St. George was just beautiful. Yeah. That like cactus hugger was a zoo. There were really? so many people there. I've never seen hmm. that many people at an eye cup in my entire life. Wow. Like, it was a huge, huge event. Um, 
they had to change all the start times because it was so crowded. We had probably, you know, at least 50 Maybird racers there. Whoa! Like, usually I, I come out to these events and have all this food and I bring all this food back home. Like, almost all of our food was gone. We had Oh, no so muffins many. this week? Yeah, no muffins, Joe. Oh, I love uh, my Maybird subsidized muffin. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, we just had so much fun. The... The kids were just so cool hanging out together, cheering for, I mean, cheering for each other. It was just super, super awesome. That's what it's all about. Um, probably the coolest thing, though, I thought is Arlie Pankey, who coaches the Gold Girls. She's one of the coaches for the Gold Girls, doesn't have a Gold Girl in that group. She, just, I just asked her to coach that group, and she's just been so awesome. She came out to St. George to go watch her Gold Girls race. Wow. Yeah, slept in the back of her truck and was there cheering her girls on. And it's as cool as it gets. Yeah, isn't that just, just wow. awesome, awesome, cool? This team, despite our running it, is a magnet for good, cool people. It's 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 interesting how that works. Yeah. It's not it's not because of us, Joe. No, know. oh gosh, no. It's maybe it's like an opposite to track. I think people say they're like, Wow, I need to involve myself in this because those poor kids. <laughs> yeah. It's just Joe and Dan. No, so I that, I just thought that was just the coolest thing that she came out. She had a lot of girl girls racing, a lot of Yeah, it was awesome. I, I raced, I just had so much fun out there. The it was fun. So happy I'm I was just so happy all weekend. Um yeah, that was that was good. Now my phone just locked up, and I don't see what I was. Okay, I'm feeling too lazy to cut that. We'll just can we'll just carry on. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we can go on to our topic now. <laughs> I should say Dan and I were laughing earlier. I forgot. I'm still gold. I was trying to name all three of the big Arden classics, and I went back. And there's probably a rough cut you heard back there where I cut and let let myself try again. I don't usually let Dan try again. Um, the benefit of knowing how to use the free open source software that we do for this podcast, and you know, is that I can go back and clip my mistakes, and Dan can't. So this is your weekly reminder that I am, uh, you know, this podcast is riddled with errors that I make and cut out and, you know, I leave Dan's in because, because I'm a boomer and yeah, I don't think the level playing fields. Well, that's the funny thing is tech. There are some definitions of millennial that capture both of us, which I think is super funny. Um, I I thought I was Gen X. You are by most, I have seen definitions that will take millennial back to 1975. So we've gone several places before and people ask us all the time if we're brothers. And that is... The, my lowest low yeah that's yeah that's me on my knees right there that's that's a rough day good day for dan yeah huh? one of one of us takes that as a compliment well but. there you go try to guess who no but re- like i said earlier before we you know had to apologize to brendan for being douchebags um this is a cool topic because this event i think is one of the most underrated cycling events on the planet um and i i i've been glad to see it become more and more prestigious over time and it's kind of like the the biggest thing you can do as a cyclist in Utah that a lot of people like to prepare for. And, and that's the thing that's cool about it is because it's something that's so big that it'll attract attract top pros. Right. But while it's so big, like normal people have access to it also. As long as they're cool. on their computer right when registration opens up, right? Yeah, there's, there's some tricks to registering. As long as you have fast internet, anyone can do this race. <laughs> You know, and, and I thought about this topic, like my good buddy, Zach Pulley. Um, Shout out to Zach. Yeah. In fact, you know what? What? I had a weird dream about Zach last night. That's not a thing I would admit on a podcast, but carry on. Do you want to hear about it? I, 
I can't say no. I mean, we've kind of gotten okay, this far. If it's, We're not going to say, I had a weird dream about Zach. <laughs> anyway, so so point to point. <laughs> no, but if it's too weird, we can cut it. But <laughs> I was telling Amy about it on our drive home, and she's like, she liked it. So, so basically, it was kind of a gray winter day, and we were in a Lowe's parking lot, like the hardware store, and one of the Black Diamond girls hops on an e-bike and I don't rec- I didn't recognize the black diamond girl. I just knew she was a black diamond girl. She rides across the parking lot, crashes into Zach, who was on one of those scissor lifts that like construction workers use to get up higher. And and then all of a sudden Bart Gillespie gets mad at Zach <laughs> for being there on the scissor lift. Zach's feelings were hurt and he starts running away. And so I start running after Zach to tell him that it's okay. <laughs> Should we cut I that? don't want to talk about point to point. I just want to talk about this dream. <laughs> I've been telling you to go to therapy for years. For years. I think that I maybe redact that because I have compassion for therapists. I think it would take decades to unpack that and, and everything that it means. Um, so super weird. I'm not going to cut it. No, can we cut it? I'm feeling really weird for saying So that. no. So no. So you made me listen. And in return, I'm going to keep that in the podcast. No, let's not keep it. So point to point. <laughs> okay, so point to point. Um, my phone locked up again. Okay, so point to point. So point to point is for those of you that don't know, which is probably nobody. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you, know you probably know. Yeah, it's a long race. It's a very long, very hard race in Park City. It's it's about seventy-seven miles and about ten thousand five hundred feet of climbing. That's it's an insane event. Debated, um, and. So, and I just kind of wanted to talk about, I know like we have a lot of, um, a lot of writers, like a lot of younger writers are starting to do it. Mm, yes. Um, and I've always encouraged, you know, our, our post Nika writers, you know, maybe this is something you should put on your bucket list, you know, because yeah. like so many writers, once they're done with Nika, they just don't ride anymore right. at all. Cause there's, there's nothing to, there's look nothing forward to. for them. Right. right. Yeah. You know, but if you, you know, like if you're, you're, you're outside of Nike, you know, you set a goal to do point to point, it kind of gives you something to oh, yeah. work towards and, right. and stay motivated for. Cause being able to ride the point to point course is an enormous physical feat. It really is. Like, let alone race it with a bunch of other people. It's like being able, like being able to do a ride that big means that you are a spectacularly good cyclist. And and so I would just take this chance to encourage our writers make this kind of a goal, you know, that, like, yeah. that you're not going to be the typical Nike kid that just doesn't touch a bike after they graduate. Yep. Um, now I remember like once seeing an ad, like, like someone on team snap for the Skyline team snap said that they're graduating and so they don't need a bike anymore. So they're selling theirs. I'm like, that's the saddest thing I've ever Wait, heard. What? No, yeah. that's not right. That's, yeah. It, you know, so yeah, so that's point to point is just something that I really hope that like, you know, if you're a top athlete and you take the sport seriously and you want to continue riding through college and in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, I think this should become a tradition that you start. Yeah. You start including in your life. I'm going to exempt myself from that tradition. I, I hope to do point to point someday. Okay. We'll talk about how to get ready for it. Okay. So, you know, and... There's so many, like, I hear about so many different training plans, you know, like there's a, you know, they'll have like these specific training plans for some specific race or something. And, um, and really like, I would say that the training for point to point 
would be almost exactly the same as what it would take to become a top varsity podium rider. If you wanted to win the midweek overall, probably roughly the same training. Yeah, I mean, it's roughly the same training. You're using basically the same energy systems. You're just using them slower for a longer time. Right. But so, yeah, so so whatever training it would take to become like a top podium varsity racer, it, it's similar to what it would take to become successful at ride, being able to ride point to like point. Like the biggest difference with point to point is like training your fueling and making sure that your bike fit is spot on so that you can stay on the bike for seven, eight hours or whatever. It's not like a different interval, you know, even a different kind of ride. There's some things with point to point where like just being on the bike that long, like endurance racing skills. But in terms of fitness, there's nothing substantially different, right? No, it's kind of like you, you know, the training you do to build a good enough motor to be a competitive top five varsity racer is the same motor you'd need to show up to point to point with. You would just use it a little bit slower, but for longer, you know, um, the, but the other key, key feature there is that um that takes a good four years to get to that point you know this can't you know this can't be your first season mountain biking and you could you could train 20 hours a week and not be ready for point i mean you can't train 20 hours a week on your first year but yeah don't do that yeah (laughs) but you know it's something that you know that three or four years of good consistent quality training can can help prepare you for it it's something you can't prepare for in a year though yes so um, so let's first just talk about like the, the type of fitness you need. We'll, we'll first kind of talk about the type of fitness and then we'll kind of go more towards talk about some of the more practical side of, of doing the race. And, um, you know, and it is a race that if you are going to do it that season, you really need to use most of the season getting ready for you it. You can't cram for point. You can't point, cram. Even if yeah. you're good. Yeah. You know, you have to have a pretty consistent season to be able to pull it off. So, um, but the type of the type of fitness and training you'll need. First of all, have we ever talked about like zone two training on this podcast before? We might have mentioned it. Okay, we should rename this the zone two podcast. It's like zone five racing here in Utah. We should be zone two racing because <laughs> that's about what pace I race at. Yeah, I was gonna say, was, zone one was already taken. So, <laughs> so, so. You know, during point to point, you're going to need a good, a lot of mitochondria and a lot of fat oxidation capacity. And you get that from zone two training. Um, Zone two training is where you develop a big aerobic engine. And, you know, if you have like a really, really awesome big engine, you can show up to short track and do awesome. You can show up to an XC race and do awesome. You can show up to a road race and do awesome. You can show up to a point to point and do awesome. You know, it's, it's not so much about the specificity, which by the way, is like the hardest word for me to say. Specificity. I have the hardest time saying specificity. I was kind of even practicing before, but that is the saddest thing I've ever, like most people are telling themselves affirmations in the mirror. Like you can do this. You are enough. And you're like, like, specificity, (laughs) specificity. (laughs) Tan <laughs> standing in there in the mirror. Let's work on specificity and tran- transgenital. <laughs> if that didn't make sense to you, and this is you the first time listening to this podcast, um, I don't know, Go it was like two, three weeks ago. Uh, it's a callback. It's not, okay. yeah. So anyhow, so yeah, it's 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 not as specific as some people think, really. It's just no. you, you, have this, you have this big, awesome engine. You show up to most 
different kinds of bike races and you're going to be awesome. Is it like the same, like, I don't know, like, like misconception where people are like, Oh, this is the best workout for, to get ready for this race. It's kind of like, this is the best workout to burn belly fat. It's, it's like a completely unsubstantiated. That's not how things work at all. Yeah. Right. And and my theory or my, my thing on specificity. (laughs) Good job. Is, is that it's kind of an 80, 20 thing, right? You know, 80% of it's building the big engine and then maybe 20% of it is kind of, fine-tuning towards the actual event you know right. so it's obviously a combination but right, right. um but yeah so the zone two stuff you're just building a big awesome engine um and again like i mentioned it's something you can't cram for you can't do in a season it's going to take three or four seasons which most of our top varsity riders have kind of accumulated that you might as well go use it you know after after nica so um so that's the first time you know zone two training it's it's awesome i can't encourage it enough i think some people i don't know we might have to do a podcast on zone two at some point right <laughs> yeah okay okay anyhow Let's so retire that bit for a minute carry on okay so sweet spot training okay i think is is super super important for yeah. for point to point and this is where a, like sweet spot efforts i think are very specific to the type of efforts you would do during point to point right um because my advice to someone riding point to point would be you know, monitor your power that your efforts stay beneath your sweet, you know, below threshold, basically. You know, if you're doing a hard effort, I would keep that hard effort at sweet spot. Yes. Because that's somewhat sustainable throughout, you know, a a six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 hour day. Because I will never forget watching because I've, I've been, I've never done point to point, but I think I've been there every single year for like seven years now, um, helping either Johnny Osgothorpe or you. And um, I remember one year, it was four or five years ago, like definitely pre-COVID, um, I was watching the pro race. And again, there are some grade A professionals who show up to this event and some homie that I've never heard of before or seen um, was the first guy out around Valley, um, which is like an hour into the race. And I was like, that's crazy. I've never seen this dude before. I know who people are. And he's like a minute ahead of Keegan Swenson, right? And then I remember this guy got to PCMR and abandoned. Um, that is, and you tell me, would you say the biggest risk in doing point to point your first time is that you go too hard and blow up? Yeah, I, I think it's hard for people because we're as, as cross country racers, we're used to getting whole shots and we're used right. to be like, the first of the single track. And, yeah. You know, we're, we're used to like really hard starts and right. 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 Um, it's, it's a completely different thing. No. And I remember like the first time I did, it, I was shocked. I would see like guys that looked like pro riders, you know, gorgeously shaved legs, $12,000 bikes, ripped, like look fit as fit can be that were just off the trail, just dead. Right. You know, because they just, uh, they overcooked they, it. Yeah. They, they burned too many matches. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, so yeah, so sweet spot is a very good, you know, is a very good, it, it helps build your base, but it's also very specific to what you will be doing. Right. Um, so yeah, i you know, if you're training for point to point, I'd include a lot of sweet spot in your training, a lot of sweet spot efforts throughout your rides, through your long rides, throwing a lot of sweet spot efforts. Um, one, one thing that, that sweet spot is very beneficial for is like, is developing muscular endurance. Is that the same thing as durability when I hear people talk about durability? Yeah, it's it's basically the ability for your muscles to stay contracted for long periods of time. And 
and be able to repeat that. Right, because like I can drop a watt bomb 30 minutes into a ride. I struggle over four hours. Is that the concept of durability? Like it's it's different from how much power you can produce. It's it's, it's how being long able to can. produce a decent amount of power for a long period of time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, sweet spot training. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah. Go we've back actually, and listen if you're unfamiliar. But. We've actually never done a dedicated episode to sweet spot yet, but we've included it in like about half the episodes we've talked about. And, and like, I've actually heard people like, there's not how, I mean, these are like such fundamental concepts that like, it would be like teaching the alphabet in an English class. It's like, sure, that's at the core of it, but like, it's 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 almost so at the core of it that it's just going to play into every single thing. I mean, is there any aspect of training where zone two and sweet spot are not relevant? Well, in traditional polarized, like if they kind of, Ooh, oh, hot take here. Uh-oh. So, big, big polarized. See, my, my polarized version includes sweet spot, where you got zone two and sweet spot, where technically sweet spot's below what they recommend is your high intensity. So How subversive. So. Everyone loves a rebel, Dan. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're basically the Gandhi of training. <laughs> Sorry. So. I don't know. That, that was probably like an obtuse reference. Let's just carry on and forget about that and get okay. an email about it later. <laughs> So, so no, no VO two max training. Would you, what what would you guess? Would that be important in point to point prep? Well, intuitively, I'd say no because, like, I, I don't think that you should be pulling the VO two lever a whole lot during that race. But I know that because of the way you're asking, the answer is probably yes. So I'm going to say yes. That's that's good. That's a good way to put it because, like. Yeah, obviously you're, you know, if you're pulling the, like how you said that pulling the VO2 lever a lot, you're going to run out of matches, you know, before. Because there are sections on that course. I've ridden all of the parts of that course before. There are sections where you do have to, you know, maybe have two or three pedal strokes that are really, really hard to get over the route. Like steps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like steps, which is the worst. Um, It's it's terrible. It sucks so hard. Yeah, you kind of have to pull the VO2 lever just to even get up that unless you've got a 28 tooth chain ring and really good balance. Right. Yeah. 28, 28 ring and, and, and training wheels. <laughs> but, you know, when, you know, VO2 max really is a different pathway of improving our aerobic engine. You know, it's, it's, it's another way to increase our mitochondria levels and so forth. And, and, you know, and so although it's not, obviously it's not specific to, to, point-to-point training it's 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 an important aspect to building our aerobic engine and it, it builds it from a different pathway that like the long slow zone two type stuff builds it so it it is super important to include vo2 max training so basically what i've just described there is almost exactly the same type of training you would do to train to do well in a like i said you know a varsity level or a, you know, a UCI level type racing, you know, um, right. lots of zone two, lots of, you know, polarizing with, with VO two max type training and throwing in some sweet spot, you know, it's, cause it's like, it is a misconception and correct me if I'm wrong to say that like, Oh, this race I, is a zone two race cause it's really long. So I just need to do zone two or like this race is a cross country. So I only need to do that kind of effort. Like you need to do a lot of different things to prepare yourself and make yours. It's not like, like you lift a 10 pound weight to lift a 10 pound weight, right? That was, whoa, I might cut that. That was going to go somewhere. <laughs> it went somewhere in my head. It made sense. But does that make, do you get what I'm, right? Like you have to do a lot of things to prepare to do. You have to do A, B, C to prepare to do to D. No, you don't just do D, D, D all the time. Yeah. Right? 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You like? Did I stick the landing on that? I mean, you don't just go ride point to point all the time to get ready to ride point to point. Right. You know. Right. Right. I mean, there we go. Well, that was way more concise. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. So so that yeah. That's that's basically the fitness for it, which really is just. But but the key is is that you have to do that consistently all season long. Yeah. And you have to do it consistently for multiple seasons. Would you say it is harder to train to do point to point or perform very well at Varsity Nika? Um like I said, I think if you perform well at Varsity Nika, you're like like Tate Larkin or um, Gabe Norda, these guys they don't like they didn't put a whole lot of thought into getting ready for point to point, but they, they were did just ready, but they did like a lot of training to do to, you know, to be Nike superstars. Right. Right. You know, and they show up to point to point and do just fine. Like they do really, really good for someone who's not at that level though. Do you think that there's a level of meticulousness that you're going to have to insert into your training and discipline that you could maybe get by doing it the way you've always done it with Nike, but you're going to have to take it the next step up in terms of how specific and careful and thoughtful you're being with your training to prepare for an event like point to point. Well, I, I think those that aren't at that level probably aren't doing the same amount of volume that like a Gabe Norda or a Tate Larkin were doing. And I think if they did a similar amount of volume, they would be more ready. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, yeah, and so so I think that's that's just the key is like, you know, you do have to be consistent. You have to ride a lot. You have to have long rides, you know. But what about like what about someone that you know that's time crunched? You know, well, I was going to ask: Is it possible for a time crunched athlete? Because it's definitely possible for a time crunched athlete to do I cups or Nika. Is it possible for a time crunched athlete to do meaningfully okay in point to point or to finish point to point even? Do you know? I think so. Um, I think that if they have, you know, like if they have three or four good solid years of, of base built up, you know, and, and then their life gets busy, you know, as long as they're training three, four, five times a week, you know, most of those could be kind of shorter workouts. And then as long as they don't neglect one good long ride a week, I, you could, you could be ready at that it's possible not ideal you know, but it, it wouldn't be your best per, the, the best performance you're capable of you're not going to win point to point doing that yeah but, but you're going to be just fine but I think the key there is you know training multiple times during the week as many times as you can three four five um, even if they're shorter workouts and then not neglecting a long weekend ride okay I mean obviously that's just super important and, and like most of us have time for that right yeah, I mean, most of us, no matter how time crunched you are, you should be able to at least squeeze in a four-hour ride on the weekend. Like, unless you know. you're starting your own law firm and have three young kids at home, most of us probably have time, right? Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, so that kind of leads me to the next part of preparing for point-to-point is, is your long rides. Right. You know, let's, let's kind of talk about those for a second. Like, so long rides, you know, the, the best way to do those is to just gradually increase them throughout the season until, you know, until you get to a point where you're about three quarters of the duration that you're, you're expecting to finish point to point at. Okay. You you don't, I mean, you really don't have to be doing like 
eight hour rides right now to be able to, you know, you don't have to do eight hour rides. It it probably is. I think, yeah, I think it's better to build them up slowly than to like start doing eight hour rides now. And cause that's just going to, cause really quick point to point is not good for you. Right. No, it's terrible training. It, yeah. And it takes like, you feel like crap for about two weeks after. Like a lot of people get sick after. Like it like destroys your immune system. It is a yeah. really serious It's an event. event. It's not good training. Right. And so like don't go and replicate it to train yeah. for it. Right? Yeah. You don't have to go out and do point to point three times to get ready for point. It's not like, no. yeah, you don't want to go out and pre-ride it. So you like, said three quarters. Like where, where are you getting that number from? I made it up. I mean, but like, what's your thought? I mean, mean, what's the thought process behind it? Okay. Yeah. All I'm saying is you don't have to like go out and do the entire point. You don't have to do like a dress rehearsal, entire full length point to point. You should probably write half of it and then go write another half. Like you should be familiar with the course, right? Yeah. You should pre-ride the whole course, but in chunks, but don't try to replicate a point to point. But yeah, but you know, at most before the actual event only pre-ride about, you know, three quarters of it, which is in one go, which, which is, is huge. Plenty. That's a big then, fat ride, you know, and then just on race day, you'll be able to squeeze the rest out of you. Right. You know? Right. Right. But you just gradually, you know, like you'll start out, you know, if you're, if you're just kind of getting started now, you know, you'll do three hour rides, move them up to three hours and 15 minutes, three hours and 30, get up to four hours, get up to four and a half, you know, and throughout the season, usually like four hour rides is probably enough for most people. Once it starts getting closer to, you might start doing some five, six hour rides, you know, maybe a, maybe a seven hour ride at most, you know, but, you know, doing, doing 10, 12, 13, you know, doing something that's, you know, and the reason I call epicish rides, epicish rides is because epic rides are actually almost detrimental. Yeah. You don't want to be doing a whole lot of truly epic rides all the time, right? Yeah. Cause if it's truly epic, it really just kind of sets you back. It makes, you know, after you finish like a white rim in one day or, or, a, or you know, one of those really, really, you know, doing 12 hours of Mesa Verde solo or something, it, it kind of wastes a week of training after just so you can kind of recover. And yeah. Um, so you really want to make, to use prudence, I guess is probably a good discretion. word. Discretion. Discretion. There you go. In your epic rides. That's why we make them epic ish. You know, there you're you still getting tons of benefits. You're building up your aerobic engine. You're, you're learning how to fuel all that stuff, but it takes a day or two to recover. Yeah. Not, it takes a couple of days, not 12. <laughs> yeah. As, as we've said before, you know, usually if a workout takes more than a day to recover from, it might've been too much. Yeah. So, so yeah, just kind of keep that in mind. Um, I'd rather see you do lots and lots of four hour rides throughout the season than just doing a few 10 hour rides. Right. 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 So, but, um, but yeah, obviously you're going to want to pre-ride it. You're going to want to be familiar with the course, but you know, do it in third sections, you know, do like those, if you break it up into thirds, um, those are, that's a good epicish distance. Yeah. You know, so like Amy Larkin and Drew free have a method that they use as they're getting closer to point to point, which is a cool way to get ready for it is they'll do like half of it one day, like on a Friday and then come back on Saturday and do the other half, you know? So you get a night of rest between the two. It's still a big effort, but it's not the same as just trying to do it in one big slog, which I think is a great idea. And can I just throw out really quickly? I'm, I've been riding bikes seriously for like a decade now. Um, I'm a pretty good cyclist. I don't get past a lot when I'm on the road or on the trail. Um, last season I did point to point from 
and you can go look at the course to make this mean something from Round Valley to PCMR. And I was done. Um, like, like this, this, this course is no joke. It, and do you, and I, I'm curious, this plays better to older riders, right? Like this, this race kind of caters. You, we always joke about like old man legs. Is it going to be harder for a, uh, you know, an athlete in their, you know, late teens to get ready for this than an athlete in their mid forties? I, I would have thought so, but you know, when these top Nike riders do it, they do pretty dang well, you okay. know? A lot of them blow up and explode and right. go out too fast, and you know. But some of the more seasoned ones with lots of, but again, it all—it's really the ones that have done lots and lots of miles that do well in it. Right. I, th- I think, regardless of how old you are, I think it's just the amount of zone two that you've got leading up to it is really kind of what makes it more possible versus less. Yeah, I'm just saying that to, to highlight that, like, and I, I. I slack on my longer rides if i'm honest i'm i'm notorious for doing a lot of two hour you know go crush it and then go home and have a burrito kind of you know my philosophy but um this race is no joke it's a it's a big old deal i I would almost say like if you're hearing about it now for the first time and thinking oh that sounds fun maybe wait till next year like go and try to ride as much of it as possible if you're like kind of new to this and on the fence wait until park city thaws out in 200 years or whatever and then maybe, and you can disagree with me on this, maybe try to ride half and see how you feel or try to ride to PCMR and see how you feel because like I'll, you, like the past few episodes, I'll just ride the last third of it with you. The last third of point to point it's is, a big ride. is a big old each, day. Each third of it is like a, is an epicish ride. Right, right. That's actually maybe good. So like if you've done Maybert epicish rides before, you finish those pretty tired, right? Like that's not a walk in the park. Go do three. That's point to point. You know, like I do, I do worry sometimes and I see people in the start line where I'm like, I don't think you're, you should be here. Like you, you need to give it a couple more years. And I, I see so like how many, how much of the field finishes point to point? I think about a quarter of the people don't finish. That's significant. That's a lot, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure some of that's but, mechanicals, but like, you know, I'm always surprised at some of the people that finish and Surprised at some of the people who some don't. Some of the people that don't. Some people I know that are really, really good. Right. Cat one types. Like, right. Because like, it is, it's the ultimate test of discipline with your pacing, right? Like this is the ultimate pacing discipline trial, right? Yeah, it really is. And it, it's really hard um, because like, you know, like, like we were saying earlier, you know, so many of us are used to cross country style racing where, right. the, you know, when it's time to go, you go, you, can go and you get posi- hard for 90 minutes. Yeah. You get like, you're trying to get position like, and like when it starts out, it's pretty crowded. There's tons of people you can pass. It starts out pretty slow. But the thing is, is like towards the end of the race, you're like alone and it's rare to see somebody like, yep. you don't, you, you know, you're like alone the whole time Yeah, and you're like, man, if I had something in me, I could be making up so much time right now, but right. I spent it when it was like crowded trying to yep. like, it's, it's funny because like when it starts, it's just a traffic jam kind of, you know, right, right, right. And there'll be people like burning matches left and right, trying to pass people. Like most of the mechanicals happen in round Valley because yes. people are going off into the sagebrush to pass people. And which is stupid. Yeah. You know? I feel pretty comfortable saying and that then, that's dumb, you know, and, and you get, you just, you get to like halfway through the race and you're just like done because right. you just spent way too much and 
Well, I always joke that point to point is only really a race for like 10 people. It right? really like the top is. Top five men and top five women are racing. That you watch Keegan Swenson, he's racing. He's racing. He's racing. The rest of us, um, and that and that was like some advice Tyler Lampert gave me. He's like, he's like, Dan, you don't race point to point. No, you, you ride point. You ride to point. point. Yeah, it's you a know. timed ride. And and so that would be, you know, that would be my advice: is you really have to force yourself to chill out in Round Valley and just enjoy the fact that you're probably going a little slower than you could go. Yes, because once you're out of there, once you're past that first feed station it thins way out oh yeah and you could go as fast as you want yep that you know the rest of the race you could yep like there's nothing slowing you down the rest of the race don't have know? a crash or mechanical in round valley it's yeah. not worth it really quick how many times have you done point to point now well i've only actually raced it twice but i've right. ridden it like four times okay. yeah okay four or five i think maybe. okay but um so the next part about training I was just going to talk about is like the tapering for it, which is, I, I think tapering is probably the most difficult art of coaching because everyone yeah. is so individual and yes. Yeah. It, you know, what works for one person doesn't work. Um, for me personally, like you, you know, so you you've gradually increased the duration of your rides until you're about, you know, three quarters of the overall duration of point to point. And then once you're within like two weeks of the actual event, I wouldn't do a ride that long. You know, I do a ride like two weeks before I do a ride that's like three quarters of point to point. Two weeks from it, I wouldn't, you know, maybe I'd do a three or four hour ride the week before. Um, you know, the, the week before it, I probably would just kind of rest and just do really super, super easy spins all week and then just go ride. I, you know, that's probably what I would do to rest up for it. Um, you know, but I don't know. It, it's different for different people. It's kind of an art form. So as, as far as like um, some of the tactics to get ready for it, to actually do well at the race, you know, we talked a little bit about pacing. Right. You know, you, you almost should, I think for most, and, and I'm talking to people that, aren't racing. I'm talking to people that this is just something they want to be able to finish. Right. You know, like those that can actually race it. I, we, don't, we don't know. I don't know. I don't they, know they're the only ones who know. No one can give them advice. Right? Yeah. It's like, go for it. I don't, you uh, know, this is just for people that want to, to finish it. I, you know, my advice would be just chill out for the first third yeah, of it. Go way easier than you think you yeah. should be going. If you're stuck behind someone slow, go that's probably going to be a blessing later. Yeah. You know, you'll have plenty of time to make I don't think up anyone has ever gone too easy in Round Valley. Yeah, that's, that's maybe true. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a slight exaggeration. <laughs> so so that's probably the, the first tactic. Um, you know, the, the, the other one I would say too is like your pacing, you know, just really watch that you're kind of keeping it below threshold for as much as possible. Um, power meter would be a great it's, thing it's very useful to watch a power yeah. meter just to you know just to keep those 300 400 watt efforts to a minimum you know use those very judiciously I would say though the most important skill to develop for point to point is what Joe I was going to say fueling kind fueling. of a fun oh is that actually it that's actually it okay. yeah alright yeah fueling is like like Honestly, um, Keegan Swenson's basically said it's an eating and drinking contest. Yes. Yeah. And and that's basically, I mean, 
as long as you can keep eating and drinking, you could probably keep writing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're obviously going to want to come into it with your glycogen stores just topped off, like lots of delicious burritos and yeah, and bagels and stuff leading up to it. But so is, is for fueling it, let's talk about that for a second. Um, so kind of a, as a, as an absolute minimum, I would say that like, like what I usually do is as I watch my clock in every half hour, like on the thirties or the, the zero zeros, you know, the top and bottom of the hours, I'll just make sure I eat something. Yeah. And like when I go on rides with some of our riders, our epicish rides, very few people even eat that much. Yeah. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm patient zero for that. Yeah. I eat nothing until I bonk and then I cram everything and then I, you know, stop. <laughs> and, and if I eat every, like, so I, I'm pretty good at like, I'll watch my clock. If it says, if it's like eight 30, I'll eat something. Then when it's nine o'clock, I'll eat something. And my, my scratch bottle. So my scratch bottle has about 20 grams of carbs, you know, and then I eat twice an hour. That's only 60 grams of carbs per hour, which really isn't a whole lot. Like you hear like the guys on trainer road all the time talking about eating 120 grams an hour or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, maybe I think that's what Keegan can do. Yeah. Like that's a skill professional. That's a, Yeah. That'll, that, if you're listening to this, that'll make you barf. <laughs> yeah. You probably can't do that. That's, um, but I would say getting up to 60 is kind of the bare minimum. And oh, it's, yeah. I, I think most of our writers cannot do that. No. Um, you know, if you could, and, and it also depends a little bit on like what intensity you're writing at, you know, those, those guys are writing in this at a, like a lot more intensity or using a lot more wattage and, and so forth. So they, they probably need more, but at least every half hour eat something right. the entire race. Now you could bump it up to every 20 minutes mm -hmm. and that would put you more at like 80 grams per hour, which is still way below what professional writers are doing and what the days. ideal is yeah yeah um you know you could you could maybe invest in like cis or like cis has a beta fuel that each each gel has 40 grams of carbs which would, could get you up to 100 you know but like earlier in the race um i like to like you know the king hawaiian rolls i like oh, to yeah. take those put a little bit of peanut butter and jam on them yep smash them down put them in my back put them in a bag in the back I'll eat those kind of at the first. Then as the race goes on, I'll kind of go more to like cis gels. And in those seem to be a little more easy to tolerate as I'm, as my, as my gut gets more worn out. But the thing is, is you've got to practice this on, yes. on your epicish rides. You have to rehearse eating every 20 or 30 minutes. I don't say being able to eat on the bike. That's a skill being able to eat while you're moving. And being able to identify a good place, you know, oh, it's flat for a second here. I'm gonna have a gel ready to go. And, you know, like that's, that's something you should probably have the, you know, you, I mean, cause you also get pretty tired doing point to point too. You're not going to have your best dexterity or coordination, are you? But you know, it is a slower pace than a lot of these kids are used to ride to racing at. Right. Um, so it's really, and there's a lot of slow climbs. It's really not too hard to do. So you don't find it, that you're like having a hard time finding opportunities to eat, right? No, no, I don't think it's that hard to find, you know, but it is something that you do have to practice. Right. Like, like on your rides, you should probably not eat while you're stopped. Like, I think it's a really good skill to just 
learn to eat while you're riding because right. you're not going to be able to stop and eat if you don't stop you're not going to eat right then you're just going to run out of juice you don't want to be stopping every 30 minutes and point to point that's not the move as the kids yeah. would say um so yeah so just eat something every 30 minutes drink when you're thirsty drinking is going to be another thing that you really have to like do a dress rehearsal on you know yeah like when you're pre-riding it um figure out how much you know like ride at similar temperatures as you will on the day you actually race and figure out how much you needed to drink to get to the first aid station and don't bring too much extra or don't bring any less you know um that's that you know drink when you're thirsty you know we did a whole podcast on hydration go back and listen to that because it's it's super important um you know like for me i ate every i eat every 30 minutes and then on on the you know i would have a certain amount of time where i take my salt tablets too and i would just drink when i was slightly thirsty so um, but yeah, as long as you can eat and drink, you can probably keep going. Um, but yeah, the, you know, eating is definitely probably the biggest skill. And, and this is something a lot of kids really, really struggle with is being able to eat. Yeah. Um, but it, it's really is the key. And if you get good at eating, it's amazing how much better you feel on these long rides. Oh Yeah. That is the game changer for endurance racing, right? And like, if if I do a good job of eating during these, like after them, I, I feel pretty good and I bounce back pretty quick. You know, it's like it doesn't take me a whole lot of time to recover after my long rides if I eat during. But if I ever like bonk during one of these rides, I'm toast for a few days. Like, yeah. you know, so, so yeah, no. Um, so yeah, so I would say, you know, just, uh, pacing it, starting off reasonably, watching your power, keeping it kind of capped, making sure to fuel and hydrate. And, and, you know, if it's hot and sweaty, you know, make sure you're getting some sodium and, and, I'm, you know, usually like caffeine, you would probably want to do about halfway through the race. Um, but other than that, my advice would be, you know, it's, it's just enjoy it. You know, yeah. it's, it's a different type of, it's such a different experience in like cross country racing because, yeah. you know, you can talk, you like, you can, the whole time you can pretty much talk to the people you're riding around. Mm -hmm. You're going at a pace where, you know, you can carry you on conversations. Yeah. If, if not, that's a, that's a dead canary that's a, in the coal mine. Yeah. Right. Um, the trails are just beautiful. You know, just look around and just realize what a cool thing it is. How much cool difference, how much scenery you're, you're taking in and, um, it's it's just super fun. Just enjoy it. Try to let that distract you from the catastrophic physical effort you're doing, and you know. Well, you know, yeah. and, and and I too, I I also think that like a good goal for people would be, you know, make it be your goal that you are you have enough fitness and enough, you know, you're ready enough. You can go do this event and you can enjoy it too. That it's yeah. not going to just destroy you. Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, if you, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of pre-rides, um, a lot of group rides getting ready for this. Come join us. You know, it's going to be fun. If you have any questions, we'd love to help you out. And um, Every single person listening to this has the ability to do Park City point-to-point -point in their future. Yeah. 
Oh, you gotta, totally. Got to yeah. do the right things between now and then. But yeah, anyone can do it given the right circumstances. <laughs> Fair enough. Anything else we want to run over, Dan? No, I think we're good. Word up. All right. Well, if you guys have questions, you know where to send them and uh, look forward to talking to you next week.